Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Stay Strong in America podcast. I am your host, Tyron Brown, here for another episode of our Wall Street Wednesdays. And guys, I'm going to tell you this right now. If you happen to be in your home, pull out a notepad and get ready to take some notes. If you happen to be driving, please keep your eyes on the road, but also your ears wide open because there's going to be a lot of helpful information coming your way. So stay tuned. Guys, just real quick, I have a quick disclaimer that I am not a financial advisor or fiduciary or accountant. So please seek financial advice from those individuals who have those titles. And just know that the information I'm giving you today is strictly for entertainment and educational purposes. That's it. You can't take my word as gospel, but you may still learn something today. Just as a heads up. All right, guys. Okay, so let's get to it. Today's episode for our Wall Street Wednesdays is called Do Not Retire Alone. Now, the reason I am so excited for this episode is because I feel like this topic was urgent. Many people that I come across while working in the branches of the bank for my former employer did not even really consider the topic of retirement. When I talk to certain millennials about the topic, everyone is more interested in becoming a millionaire than they are into retirement. And to be honest, That is fair considering that some of us are years away from quote unquote retirement. But then again, I started thinking about it. Are we? You see, in my opinion, whenever I think of approaching retirement, it reminds me of how teachers from high school used to say, watch when you become an adult, Tyron. Time will fly by faster than high school. Lo and behold, I am turning 29 in May. (laughs) What I'm saying is that it happened so much faster than I ever anticipated because of how busy I had gotten with my personal and professional life. Between trying to find work-life balance and getting a quality sleep every night, it seems that time gets washed away in the middle of this balancing act, all right? And that's what I want to talk to you all about today and have you think about. Time is your best friend and worst enemy when it comes to retirement. The older you are in age, because it is an age game, it is working against you. And the younger you are, the more you can leverage, leverage it, assuming that you are thinking about retirement at such a young age. Now, I know many of you may be thinking, okay, Tyron, you explain the retirement part, but what about the alone part? Well, when I say alone, I am not just talking about the human collectivist element in retirement, but also your resources. You cannot retire without resources, and the more resources, the better. And so today I will review the resources that you need for retirement. And hopefully by the end of today's episode, you will understand that time and resources are going to be the tool tools that can ensure you go into retirement with a team that makes you make sure you're never alone. All right. But I have some food for thought for you guys. All right. Because retirement, it just sounds just so general and people throw out a word that word around so much that it gets taken advantage of. Right. And taken for granted. But I want you just to think about this. How much money does it take to retire now or in the future, right? So I I went online, I looked this up, and I went on Investopedia, which I think is a great website to learn about anything regarding um, finances, whether it be personal, professional. And they had an article that they published on February 11th of this year. And in this article, and I pretty much agree with it from from my experience in the bank, Um, But it's you need at least 80 percent of your pre-retirement annual income to live a comfortable retirement. So 
for 100K, that's an 80K annual income. If you're making 100K before retirement, you need 80K when you're in retirement to be able to live a comfortable lifestyle in retirement. And if you should and if you should and you should only withdraw 4% of your nest egg to get that 80K. So whatever you have saved up for retirement, you should only be withdrawing 4%. Why? Because you don't want to be tapping too much into the principal. You want to live off like some of the interest and uh, some and whenever you take some out, you should make sure it's able to get replenished and last you during retirement. So if you need if you only could withdraw 4% of your nest egg to get that 80K, that means that you need $2 million in your retirement nest egg between all your retirement financial resources. You know, so think about that. To get 80K, you need $2 million, right? And that sounds like a daunting number, but as I will talk about later, the different sources you have to prepare for retirement, it's not too difficult if you really put your mind to it and you think about these things a lot sooner, all right? If you wait too long, then it could be a lot difficult and you have to worry about whatever government benefits there are available to help you or relying on family, all right? But let's say that you only, let's say that though you receive a $2,500 a month from Social Security, although I wouldn't rely on Social Security, which I'll touch on later, all right? But let's say you get $2,500 a month from Social Security. That's 30K a year. That means that if you were that person making 100K and you needed to live off 80%, the 80K not only becomes 50K a year, all right, that you need in your, uh, that you need to be able to get out of your nest egg, right? So that means that you would ha- need a nest egg of only 1.25 million. And I, I know I'm saying only, like 1.25 million is a little bit, but like I said, you're saving over time, investing over time, you should be able to get to that number if you're very diligent um, and frugal when it comes to your finances, all right? And, and, but that's also assuming you had a pre-retirement salary of 100K. That's assuming you were used to that lifestyle. Yours may be significantly higher, though, because, you know, I'm from the Northeast, you know. I'm from Long Island, originally grew up. 100K, you know, 80K may not be enough for me. It might be more like 200K, all right, um, even in today's dollars, you know. Um, but then it also might be significantly lower. You might be, You might live a very simple lifestyle. You might not have... Plan on having no children whatsoever. It's just going to be you and probably a significant other. That's it. You're just kicking it. And you're like, you know what? I could do with just 40, 50K. That's fine, but you're still going to have to save something. All right? Um, just adjust your lifestyle according to your financial resources you have available. And that's the thing. But the point is, I want to put out there as food for thought so you know how to assess what you have or do not have working for you financially and how long you expect your resources to last, considering that humans are living longer, but they want to retire at the same age. So you want to retire at 65, 50 years ago, you may have died at 75. You only needed 10 years of retirement. But now you can live to 95 or 105. So 65 means 30 more years to 40 more years of living in retirement. I'm not sure what you'll be doing when you get that much up in age, but you still need to be able to take care of yourself or at least take that burden off your family. All right, which is another food for thought question that I have for you as well. How much time does it take to allocate towards a retiree? All right, and it's just something to think about. Uh, you know, from what I see from caregivers and you know my own personal experience, it's like twenty hours to forty hours a week, fifteen hours minimum, perhaps, to provide you essential services when you cannot do them for yourself. And I know we don't want to think about that, but that could damn sure be a possibility. So you need a physical or human resource, rather, to be there for you, even for menial tasks, guys. All right. Now, that could be, you know, and I'll talk about that a little bit. 
but it's just something for you to think about, all right, that you need to start considering how much you need for retirement and how much time you need allocated towards you to help you when you can't be independent for yourself. So as I mentioned earlier, we need two resources to help us in retirement, all right? And those are our financial resources and human resources. And which one will I be talking about first? It's the most critical one, human resources. Why? Because it impacts your mental health, emotional health, and physical assistance, all right? Now, when you guys think about retiring and everything, that's why I said some of the basic things we overlook. I know this generation, they're pushing being independent, which I think is great, you know, starting things up, but we need each other, all right? Let's not underestimate the, the, the need for human beings. We are social creatures, so we're gonna need to be there for each other. But now think about it. If you have to think about the human resources in your life, and I hate to put it that way because I'm sounding like, it's like HR, like I'm working for an organization, but taking care of you will be sort of a business. So just think about that for a second. But the human resource I think about that will be most helpful for you, that could provide a lot of this mental health, emotional health, and physical assistance is a significant other, all right? They can help you with your daily needs, your comfort, love, protection. They could be a caregiver. They can help with your mental health because you have someone you relate to and built a life with, hopefully a comfortable one, and you guys aren't bickering or yelling at each other, and also intimacy, all right? A lot of you may think that a lot of these things disappear. You're not going to worry about that in your older age. But guys, if you have any you know, grandparents or older parents or you, or you looked after someone in that position, you will understand that they're just as young in their soul as the rest of us. And so don't underestimate that about yourselves as well. You're going to need somebody there for you. And that person that, that you probably do want to be there for you is a significant other, a significant other, girlfriend, boyfriend, husband, wife, whatever the case may be. You might even find somebody new as you approach retirement or while in retirement, but it does make an impact. All right. I, I, all you got to do is look at those who don't, who lost a loved one, right? They lost somebody that they were, they were, um, that was a partner of theirs. And you see how much it impacts their life. Cause what are they going to do? Start dating at their age? No, after that time, you just get used to somebody being there for you. You know, you want to be there with someone and you want somebody to that you can reflect on life with. And they may and you may go through all these troubles and they may be the only one who understands your pain, understands your frustration, understand your emotions, while others may not take the time to do so. So that's why I would say it's the first human resource. And if you have that, congratulations. If you don't, it's fine. I'm not gonna force you to go ahead and get one. But what I will say is that be grateful if you do. Be grateful if you do. The next human resource I want to talk about is family. Now, this is could be a tricky one because it's if they're available and local, which is a big if. A lot of family members, one person could be living in New York. Someone decides to move to California. Someone moves to Texas. Someone moves to out the country. They want to go live in Europe, parts of Africa, in the Caribbean, Canada. Or they might just live upstate New York and you're in downstate. Guys, what I'm saying is that you have to think about these things in advance. If something ever happens, you want to be within proximity of your family. And if you think of moving, you might want to move that alien parent with you, parent with you. Because if something ever happens, you want to be able to get to them soon. And if you're, and now I'll speak from the person who's who thinking about retiring, right, which is us and our future selves. If you're thinking about retirement, you might want to move closer to your children, or whoever, right? 
But when I say family, I'm taking out the significant other and I'm, I'm referring to like your family and maybe your children because you trust them. You know, it may be your um, your uh, your 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 siblings. Assuming that they, you know, that they don't have too much health issues themselves. And I seen that one time I was working in the bank. This one family member, she had so much money saved up, but that's because she had a sibling that passed away. And I think the insurance came to her and she gave some money to another sibling who was taking care of one of the other siblings who were sick. And it just made me think of my family because I have a lot of siblings and I care about them. But that time is going to come when you get a lot older. You get me? So you guys always have to think about these things long term. And that's why I say like family matters a lot. So start reconciling these issues early because you guys are going to need each other more than you think, especially as you age. You get where I'm coming from? Just really think about that. Those family values that were stressing you when you were younger, I understand it may not have been the most comfortable thing, but these may be the only people you might truly trust. They can help with your needs, sometimes daily, sometimes weekly or monthly, depending on how available they are. But they require comfort, love and a familiarity and trust element that you might not be able to get easily elsewhere. Okay. And for those of you who don't want to have children, and I'm not saying to have children so they could just take care of you. But like when you we sometimes underestimate the people that we have in our lives. We all could be there for each other and should be there for each other. And when you get into retirement, and especially if you become sick, you might start to see that family is the only thing that you have sometimes. All right. And then now that being said, not to be so depressing about it, but just just I'm just painting a realistic picture based on my life experience and observations. Um, but there's also friends. All right. Friends, they can, they might help occasionally with your needs. All right. And it's luck, be lucky if it's anything more than that. But I think it's cool if you have a friend that comes by and they want to help out. Friends could be there to help you during retirement and in a sense of like they could provide just a conversation. That's for your mental health. You talk to them on the phone or in person, that's great because you might think you're alone in this world, right? And I'll tell you a story real quick. And I actually watched this. This lady talked about her grandfather feeling um, alone and how it may have been her father, actually. Um, father or grandfather. I think it probably was her grandfather, but he felt very alone and no one was looking after him. And she, I think she was one of the only people that was looking after him. And he had, I believe he, he, he jumped out a window, I believe, and he killed himself. And she was, I could see her face was so distraught. It literally broke my heart just watching her just being sad about it. Like, because he felt lonely after a certain time. So don't underestimate, you know, your loved ones to think, oh, they don't need friends. They got us. No, they might need friends too. You know, you might, the best gift you could probably give to someone who's retired is probably picking up some, one of their friends and bringing them to the house. So it's just something to think about because we have, need a reason to keep living. And sometimes when we know there's another person there who can really relate to us, not just on a family level, but a friend level that can make us feel normal and youthful again, that can be the only saving grace that we need. So don't under underestimate that. And also some friends do step up to the plate. If you become sick, they might be the friend that brings you soup. And that's a stereotype, but I know some women do that for each other. And us men, we could do that for each other as well. So friends is another uh, human resource, a human element that can be very helpful. And then there's caregivers. All right. Now, caregivers, they're typically hired. You know, they help with daily needs, you know, which they get paid to do. 
They can be hired on a part-time or full-time basis. They can be affordable, but also can be costly. Um, and they may have to relate with your insurance needs and what you have in terms of like health insurance and life insurance benefits, which I'll touch on later. But, you know, and they could also help with, you know, if you have a really good one checking in with you. But I would say that's more of a last resort um, and depending on your background. Like I come from a Caribbean background and whatever background you come from, put somebody to put someone, excuse me, in a nursing home is a no-go. Like if you don't do that, you make sure that they stay with at your house or go to a sibling's house occasionally. You guys take care of your parents. You don't do that to them. So it's um it's just something to consider. You know, as you get older, you might be in that position and you might want to have that conversation with your children if you have children, you know, whether or not you want to caregive or how you want to be taken care of. But as I said, in retirement, you you do not retire alone because of the reasons that I just stated. The human resource element is critical and it's necessary because we're not loners. It meant there to be there with people. So just pause this for a second and think about that if you need to or take notes on it because it's probably the most critical part of this podcast today. Okay, so let's tap into the financial resources that you need for retirement, which is another reason why you cannot and should not and do not get to retire alone, all right? Because not only do you need a human element, but you need a financial element. And why do you need a financial element? Because if you need any physical assistance, assuming that it's not from family who's doing it for free, you're going to need the financial resources to help with that. And for your own mental and emotional health, guys, you need finances in place. All right. So I'm going to tap in some of these financial resources with the first one being health insurance. So do you have health insurance that has rolled over from your employer? This may be a great option and most affordable and is great for certain public employees and government officials or if you retire from a financially stable organization or your company is connected to a great healthcare system. Guys, look into that. Don't waste any more time because health insurance does get expensive and you might need critical surgeries as you get older. I wish I could run numbers on these things, but it's just that it varies so much because everyone's health needs are different. But the point being, having health insurance is very important because people develop ailments as they get older. And headed into retirement. So you want to make sure that when you go to the doctor, you're not faced with a bill that could take away from the retirement nest egg that you have. All right. So if you don't have that in place, make sure that you talk to your employer now and find out what it looks like when you get ready to retire. Because I know that happens a lot where it rolls over. And I'm not just talking about COBRA. There's other benefits that roll over into your retirement, depending on what organization you retire from. Um, And I also want to add another point to this, too, before I get to my next point around health insurance. Be very smart about who you choose to work for. Do research on a company. All right. Don't just sit there and just work for any old company and think that, oh, I'll be taken care of. No, it's not in their interest to I'm, I want to say companies won't take care of you, but the company's priority is to take care of the company itself. Right. And making sure the company's able to live on. You have to take care of you. They'll provide you certain resources. But if you're not going, if you're not talking to someone in HR about it or employee benefits, then that's going to be on you. So do the due diligence and ask the questions. And don't wait until you're retired. Ask years before. Shoot, I, I will call them right now, even if I'm 25 years old. I'm 29 myself, and I'll check in with retirement benefits. 
Because like I said, this time flies by fast. And if you don't get health insurance from your job, from your empl- previous employer, if you're headed out of re- into retirement, did you get health insurance from the marketplace? Now, this could be the price your option, but you can choose things that cover your needs and you don't have to worry about something ever going wrong with your employer's benefits. Because like I say, something goes wrong with your employer's benefits and the healthcare system they're connected to. But you have something with the, at least with the marketplace or you did your research on it so you know how much it costs and it doesn't surprise you. I think a lot of issues facing people financially is that they're surprised by the cost. Had they factor in these costs, they wouldn't be stressed out because they would be aware of it and they would prepare adequately. But how much people are preparing adequately for retirement? How much can people do have people have in their savings account? A lot of people aren't doing that. They're not they're not thinking about things like health insurance when I'm heading into retirement, you know. And and, and that could be for the next reason. And that's relying on um, uh, Medicare. All right. So the thing about relying on Medicare is that that is available for you, but it's not necessarily ideal, in my opinion. All right. Medicare for people age, bear with me a second, because I, I want to be able to show you guys something. Yeah, so Medicare for uh, for people age 65 and above. And the thing about it is that they have certain benefits associated with it. We don't have to go all to win it. I'll probably do a separate episode about Medicare, but their benefits could be limited and they'll take care of a, a, a good part of your health needs. But my thing is that it's a you know government funded program. So just be mindful of that. I, I go into things that don't rely too much on the government because you know you never know what can happen with the government or what laws can change. So if you have something for yourself or have the funds allocated for your own retirement, Healthcare benefits, that just helps a lot more. But look into that benefit, Medicare, because it's there for you. All right. And also, you need to look at the benefits associated with any health insurance you have because does it provide assisted living benefits? You may get to the point where you need some assisted living because your child isn't nearby or a family member isn't nearby to do it for you. And you want to be able to have that covered as opposed to dipping into your nest egg and doing that. So look into any health insurance that you have or life insurance. That can be able to take care of that. All right. The next that leads me to my next financial resource, which is life insurance or slash annuities. All right. So why is life insurance important? Folks, if you ever die, whether prematurely or of natural causes at an older age, wouldn't you like to leave some something behind for someone you love? All right. Because I've sold life insurance because I was certified to be able to do so in the past. But also. Would you like to fill in the gap with health care in the event you need assisted living or supplemental health coverage? Would you like to receive interest payments for the funds you pay into your life insurance so that you have not only the benefit of a payout in the event you pass away that goes to your beneficiaries and health care assistant, but also so you can get some income from the money you paid into your policy? Then that is why life insurance is important. Not to mention that your payout to your loved ones, if you don't outlive your policy, will be tax free. So, and this talks about not outliving your policy. If you outlive your policy, then you don't get the benefit of the life insurance, like the financial payout, right? And if you like, and and I know a whole life after a while, they start paying you back some, but when it comes to um, like term life insurance, 
if you outlive the benefit, then you don't get anything back. Because the whole point of it is that it's life insurance, not death insurance. So if you live, then you didn't need the, the protection help was there for you, but you end up not using it, right? It's like having homeowner's insurance, right? If something doesn't go wrong with your home, you paid it all those years, you don't get it back. But just in case something did go wrong, that's why you have it. Same thing with car insurance, you know? But if something does happen to you, the benefit that you get will be tax-free if you die before a certain time, right? Um, and I think that's great because if something ever happens to you, you will be taking care of everyone else who gets affected by you passing away prematurely. Or if it's in your retirement and you pass away early in retirement, your family will still get something, all right? Now, another thing I want you to think about, though, is your employer may offer you life insurance, but that insurance ends the minute you start working for that employer for the most part. So really look into that. And I would say still take on that benefit, but have insurance outside of your job as well, guys. All right. Like while working for my former employer, guys, I always try to do a life insurance needs assessment for customers. Right. And needs assessment is basically how much life insurance do you need to cover your expenses or predicted future expenses. And I did that especially for black and Latinx individuals because many of them did not have any insurance in place. And that can literally save your family from getting into deeper financial troubles if something were to occur, all right? It can also leave them with a nest egg and lift them out of financial strife. So sometimes certain people, they make their family well off if they pass away prematurely, all right? I know life insurance may appear like a waste of money, because you may not see the financial benefit as it requires you to pay a premium for a what if situation, but you'd be surprised what can happen in life. And for traditionally underprivileged and disenfranchised populations in the US, like blacks and Latinos, life insurance can be a saving grace. All right. So don't underestimate its impact. Furthermore, do you have life insurance of any kind? Right. And is it the whole life, term life, variable, or just a death benefit? Whole life. There's a lot more paying into it. Certain people might find it to be a scam. It's like, oh, this and that. It could have been. There's different benefits with whole life. And we could do an insurance episode separate. Term life is limited for term. Whole life is supposed to really serve you to age 100, quote unquote, right? Um, and term life is literally, it's either to age 80 or to 100 with, with whole life, right? And certain people outlive the policy. Okay, they didn't, they didn't need to. They paid into it, didn't get anything out of it, right? It may just have a death bearable benefit. Term life, it covers you for a certain amount of years. And when it ends, it ends. You don't get no kind of money back or anything, right? Um, and you have to renew it at that new term when it ends. Variable, you know, there's uh, basically how you yield some income from it. And you can get it from whole life as well, but it's like a mix between a whole life and term life. And you have some interest income that you can get. Or there might just be like a like a burial life insurance, a death benefit, which is really a whole life insurance policy that pays for your burial. All right. And in my opinion, you need to at least be able to cover the cost of your burial. Because, ladies and gentlemen, if you die and think it does not cost any money, you have another thing coming your way. It costs at least 10K to have a decent funeral for your loved ones. So assuming you were a decent enough human being that has someone that cared about you and will feel obligated to take care of your funeral arrangements. The least you can do is have an emergency fund that will take care of the expenses. And how do you do that? Life insurance. And it is a form of whole life insurance strictly for the purpose of burials. The cost of it vary on um, what it is per month. 
It could be as little as $60, and it could be a lot higher than that, depending on your health needs when they do the health assessment, because that's part of life insurance. They're taking your health into account. But guys, life insurance could be very helpful when it comes to those benefits, when it comes to these um, benefits, like burial costs, assisted living, because that's, that's a rider you could have for the policy. A rider is like a different element they add to the policy that can give you different benefits. And one of them is help you with assisted living. And sometimes with your health insurance, they pay something towards it. Or if you catch a, a very, um, not if you catch, but if you develop like an, uh, a severe disease, autoimmune immune disease, cancer, a deadly disease, they'll give you an early payout because they understand that you're under financial pressure and you may not be able to work or do anything else. So take time to sit with a life insurance agent, guys. Go to, through your local bank. They provide these services. It can be a life-saving grace. Now, if you didn't consider life insurance, did you at least consider annuity? All right. Now, this is about money in this case. If you want to cash out your pension or your retirement income, or you happen to receive a lump sum payout of any kind, whether it be a lawsuit, you know, somebody gave you some money, whatever the case may be, this financial resource, an annuity, would be very helpful. It has similarities to life insurance, except it works the opposite way because you provide a lump sum of, of the cash up front. And then the life insurance company creates an annuitized payout system with those funds that should last you through retirement or at minimum supplement your retirement income. Right. So basically, if I give somebody one hundred thousand says, you know, to put into annuity and then because I know I'm not responsible, they will give me payouts in certain increments that should last me through retirement. And I'll do the health assessment and everything to see how long I'm predicted to live to make sure that it will last. All right. So they basically help you manage your funds. I know it sounds like, well, I'm giving my money over to someone to help me manage it. But, you know, you can't always trust money being in your hands, especially during retirement. You know, so just be very mindful and know that that's an option for you as well. So that's life insurance for you, ladies and gentlemen, and annuities. That's something to consider. All right. The next option you have as a financial resource is literally a retirement job, all right? Which In which case, you're, you're partially retired, all right? So let's face it, y'all. Many of us may have to work during retirement years, but obviously that is limited until a certain age or when we physically cannot work. However, there are plenty of individuals that work between the ages of 62 to 80 years old. The reason why I say 62 as opposed to 65 is because often employers offer you the option to retire at 62 or roughly 63 and a half years of age and still be able to collect your entire retirement benefits package. So does Social Security, which I will touch on in just a second. But the point is, you must retire. If the point is, if you must retire, you can keep a part time job. All right. I suggest being strategic and realistic as to what interests you and what you are capable of doing at that age, because not all of you are going to be in the best shape. All right. <laughs> Let's just be real. Maintaining a job, although not ideal, can provide you with some purpose outside of playing bingo <laughs> or just reminiscing on past time during retirement. Certain jobs that come to mind, like for me, like tutors, teaching assistants, a library employee, farming, virtual assistant, Uber driver or valet service and animal walker. Right. You know, these will keep you busy, pay decent and is typically stress free or stress relieving. All right, which is why I threw the farming in there. It may be a little hard here and there, but it could be stress relieving. Although I must emphasize, though, you do not want to be in a position where you must work, especially if it's full time. But it's just a realistic thing that can happen. All right. You might say, I want to work till I'm 70 years old. 
and you can do that. You might want to work till 75. Warren Buffett is working at 91 plus years of age because he says, if I stop working, I die the next. And certain people, when they don't have any purpose, they literally, meaning they're not working a job or doing something where they feel like they're contributing. It's just like they feel like they have nothing else left to do. And then boom, that's it. They pass away. So if you feel like this is going to keep you alive and keep you feel refreshed, continue to work. And I'm not going to stop you because it may work for you. But like I said, you don't want to be in a position where you have to do that. All right. The next thing is a brokerage account. All right. Now, everyone should think to get a brokerage account. All right. So that's like the Charles Schwab, the Fidelity, you know, the T. Rowe Price. In some cases, that's the Robin Hood, although I wouldn't recommend that. I would recommend like the Charles Schwab, Fidelity, the Vanguard, um, T. Rowe Price. But the whole point is that everyone should think about a brokerage account before even investing in a pension or 401k, which I'll touch on those in a second. You cannot and should not wait to learn to invest, which explains why this is next on my list of financial resources. While a job is helpful and you can have some control over the outcomes of a job, like how I mentioned earlier about the retirement job, you should have your nest egg established if you are looking to retire, especially if you are nearing the age of 65. However, what makes a brokerage account great is that you are more involved in your investments since you typically must choose how you invest or involved in the process of administering if it is you or a broker who does the invest investing for you. As opposed to like the pension or 401ks, like you put it into something that gets taken care of. You don't think about it. Furthermore, with a brokerage account, you are also limited. You are not limited to many restrictions and tax consequences if you withdraw prior to retirement, unlike your retirement accounts. All right. So you have some freedom there to use those funds because people was like, I have money in my retirement. But if you can't access those funds sooner than later, then it's like you can't retire early. You got to wait until that age. However, the issue is people do not think it is necessary to invest or to learn how to invest. All right. I have friends from college who taught me certain aspects of investing and I decided to buy some books myself, which have been freaking amazing, guys. It's amazing. And I watch YouTube videos to learn about this eighth wonder of the world method called compound interest, a.k.a. investing. Guys, this stuff is on YouTube. It's on social media. So I suggest you all learn about investing and you will understand why keeping every dollar in savings will work against you. Because people think, I'm just going to save, save, save. It's like, have an emergency fund, have some savings, yes. But for the long term, you want to make sure your money is outpacing what? Inflation. Because it's going to erode the value of your money. So investing your money is, helps in the long term. And you see that 10000 you put in at a young age turns into a 100,000 years later, for example, don't quote me on those numbers, but I'm just using that as an example. Your money will grow when you invest. But learning to invest is important because pensions, they do that. They invest in something and so do 401ks. But if you haven't learned to do it on your own, why would you care about anything else after? So just think about that for a second and keep that in mind. Now, speaking of pensions, that's the next thing on the list, right? If you are fortunate enough, though, to work for an employer who provides pension, then you may be half or more than half of your retirement, have more than half of your retirement figured out. And shout out to your to, to our public employees and government officials who have a pension plan built into their pay. If you work for a private employer and get one, then you should be grateful considering how rare it is for private sector organizations. All right. Because it doesn't happen anyway. The point is that pensions disappeared in the late 80s and by the new millennium, 
they were essentially non-existent. As businesses switched over to 401k and 403b plans, which took a lot of the burden off employers to assist in the employees' retirement, and so the burden was put on employees. So it's for you guys to figure out, which is why I said learn to invest, because it's up to you now to figure all these things out. Your employer ain't going to really take care of you like that at most companies these days. All right. So if you receive one, if you receive a pension, pay close attention to it and do not assume it will be enough to retire. Instead, look at the quarterly statements they provide on it and check to do the calculations to see what your monthly payout will likely be during retirement and whether that pension income will need to be supplemented by additional financial resources. So while the pension is a fortunate thing, you can't assume that's going to take care of you completely in retirement. It might You might think, I'm getting 6 k a month now. I'm going to get that in my pension. Your pension just happens to be only 3 k only 4 k all right? So now you're like, I was expecting 6 k at least. You have to scrape for another 2000 So you won't have to scrape for it if you have other financial resources, but I'm just saying that's something to think about. But if you get a pension, be grateful about it. Now, if you have an option 401k, for a 401k at your job, and especially if they match it, invest in it. Why? Because if you do not, that is another vessel you cut off as part of your financial safety net during retirement. Furthermore, it will save you money during tax time since it is usually pre-tax dollars allocated to your 401k. You can also put have a Roth 401k in which you invest funds after taxes, which I did myself. I chose that route. But pre-tax dollars definitely are helpful um, because get lower your tax liability during the year, which you can discuss with an accountant. But that means your tax liability is lower, so you don't owe in taxes or you may even get a refund in some circumstances. Now, if you work for a well-established nonprofit, you will likely have a 403B plan as your version of a 401k. And it operates pretty much the same. These are just for like nonprofit organizations. But the issue I have with people in their 401ks or 403bs is that they never bother to invest more over time, like more of a, a greater percentage, and that they do not bother to speak with a financial advisor who looks after their retirement so they can track the progress or lack thereof for their retirement. How are you going to be putting money into this thing, say I got a 401k, but you don't know how it's performing? All right. If you, even if you don't know what a financial advisor or fiduciary does. Last but not least, a free contribution match is free dollars for your retirement. So, and this is just, case, just in case for those who don't pay attention to their 401k incentives, if your employer offers a match, which is usually a percentage of your salary, like so let's say it's 3% of your salary and you invest 3% of a 60k salary, then when you invest that 3%, which is $1,800, that will double to $3,600 by the end of the year. $3,600, guys. Think about it. Multiply by 10 at the same salary, and that's $36K. And that's invested, so it's not going to just stay $36K. It could be a lot more than that. And that's assuming that you stay at that salary, guys, and, and, and stay at that threshold of, of um, investing. What if they allow you to invest up to 6%, you know, and you and then you get a larger salary? And you guys know you can contribute about 50% to your um, 401k and 403bs. It's like half your salary. Although they won't match that high, they're, only gonna, they're usually going to max out at 6%. Just is something to put your money into to know that you have retirement, your retirement set up. You know, furthermore, though, let's say you need to do a hardship withdrawal because I was a Morris loan officer 
Um, and But let's say you need it for health concern or for the down payment on your first home. Because like I said, I was a Moore's loan officer and this stuff works. Although I would advise against it because, you know, I want you guys to save it for your retirement. But this is a feasible option as they will waive any additional early penalty charges for these reasons and more. All right. So there's there's a hardship withdrawal you could do from your 401k or 403b, you know, and it could be for those purposes. And it could help you get your first home. It's just something helpful to have a 401k or 403b. And it forces you to wait due to the restrictions of you not being able to withdraw the funds until you retire. And it's usually tar targeted for age 65 for you to withdraw at your leisure. All right. Um, it could happen. You could withdraw a lot earlier than that if you retire early. But the whole point of it is they do have restrictions so that you don't just go and tap into a 401k. All right. And they will end up taking half of it. If you try to withdraw early, I've seen it nearly happen to a customer. So this is a great method for putting money away and accessing it later. But you also want to know where your money is going. So look into it, research it, see what your job offers and take advantage of it wherever you can. Even if it's just investing enough to get the match only because that's free money. And then you put the rest of the invest the rest of your funds in your brokerage account. That's fine. But take advantage of the free funds they have through a 401k. All right. Now, there's also the option of a traditional IRA, a Roth IRA, or a SEP IRA, all right? An IRA, it stands for Individual Retirement Account. If you do not have an employer that offers a 401k package, or if you happen to be self-employed, do not worry. We have options that are like that of a 401k, although they have restrictions. We have a traditional Individual Retirement Account which is after-tax income that you cannot withdraw prior to what? 55 and a half years of age, all right? Then we have a Roth IRA, um, which is, uh, and I think, I apologize, the, in the, the traditional IRA may be pre-tax, and the Roth IRA is, is uh, after-taxes, excuse me. Income, you cannot withdraw until 55, years and a half, 55 and a half years of age as well for both, all right? The traditional and Roth IRA. You should speak with your tax account to see what what makes sense for you and your situation. But this is another vehicle where you can place disposable funds so that you can have another financial resource for retirement. Now, this same thing applies to SEP IRA, except the SEP is for self-employed, you know, and the business owners. All right. But basically, you I think I believe the limits is you may have upgraded it, but before it was fifty five hundred and maybe about sixty five hundred now where you can put into it and you could do catch up contributions, which means you contribute a lot more if you're nearing that 55 and a half years of age. But think about that. That's another vehicle for you to put funds in for retirement. So somebody might get a huge bonus. They might get, oh, I got 40K bonus or I got a this payout from this lawsuit or this from this car accident or somebody passed away. I got this life insurance payout. Think about those financial vehicles, your 401k, um, and your, uh, more so, excuse me, the traditional IRA or the Roth IRA to SEP or just your brokerage account. These are places where you want to put disposable funds. All right. So consider that and don't look and don't disregard it. Now, the next thing, and I put this towards the bottom of the list because it's not as reliable to me for the future generation. All right. Like for us who are planning for the millennials who are going to retire years from now. All right. And that's Social Security. Now, with Social Security income, I was hesitant to acknowledge, like I said, this is a financial resource. 
Because even though you may think that it is great income to have and you know others living off of it, this is not as reliable as you may imagine. You like me probably are aware that Social Security may run out by the time it's time for us to retire. The U.S. government's Social Security Administration has stated that it has that it is underfunded. All right, guys, like they have to tap into other funds and they may raise the taxes in the future and other things to, to cope with this, you know, but let's not leave retirement in the government's hands, guys. And let's not do that. I, I suggest really taking your funds, investing them now, learning to invest so you have a brokerage account. But if you do happen to learn Social Security, just know that Social Security income is based on a percentage of the time you worked and how much you paid into the system while you worked over the years. So if you did not work much or received very little pay, then don't expect the maximum Social Security benefit, which I believe currently makes maxes out at 3500 or so. Let me actually look that up for you. Let me look that up for you because that's something we need to know. Maximum Social Security benefit. The most individual who files a claim for Social Security retirement benefits in 2022 can receive per month is $2,364 for someone who was who files at 62 and $3,345 for someone who files at full retirement age. 66 in two months. Gotcha. So it's like 66 years of age. Wow. So. Yeah, I would say like it's, it's less than $3,500, $3,345 at this time. So, guys, think about that. Think about that. That like, That's not something, not enough money to retire on. If you do three k a month, that's only $36,000. Now, some of you may be fine with that, but me, if you live in the Northeast, nah, it's not much, you know. But if you or I go get... I'll go get it. If we end up getting it, it would help, but may not be enough to take care of all of our interests, like helping family, traveling and leisure act and other leisure activities. Guys, you have to put yourself in a position where you're not relying on the government as much where you're not because things could change with the laws. I have nothing against the government. We need the government to keep certain things in order. But at the same time, it's not laws change all the time. Regulations change all the time. And we don't want to be impacted by that. You know, you may think that everything is safe and it's not. So just keep that in mind that you don't want to rely on Social Security, but it is there for those who are going to retire sooner than later. All right. And when it comes to your your nest egg, you're going to subtract this amount from your nest egg. OK, so. If you get that, end up getting three thousand three hundred forty five dollars a month for those retiring sooner than later, then that's a lot less than you need a monthly income because that helps you. But if you don't get that and. You know, or a few years from that, I want to rely on it. If I get it, I'll take advantage of it, but I will be very frugal. And now the next, so that brings me to my next point, which is you would be surprised by home ownership. Now, why am I talking about home ownership in terms of financial resources? It's simply leverage, all right? And I talked about this in my uh, home, home ownership being leverage in my um, Wall Street Wednesdays in terms of... Um, uh, you know, like, you know, getting, having the American dream in you cannot afford not to be a homeowner. Listen to what I talk about in that episode. It's very important because there's a lot of benefits that come with you while you're living and being a homeowner in terms of taxes and other things, but also guys during retirement. So my question to you is, do you own a home? 
And then is the home paid off? All right. Because this could be a help or it's like a true asset or it could be a liability. If it is not paid off, can your retirement cover your mortgage needs, which is principal interest taxes and insurance? If it is paid off, can your retirement cover your recurring property taxes? Because that still remains. That doesn't disappear. You know, and then you're going to have to pay utilities. So think about those things. Also, do you have someone to assist or, or, or are you or will you have be healthy enough and willing enough to maintain the property? Such as lawn care, painting, cleaning the house. That's what comes with owning a home. It's like a business. <laughs> and finally, do you plan to leave your home as a legacy to your children or do you want to sell your home? And downsize to a smaller home or apartment or senior citizen residence or live with another family member or better yet, do you want to move to another country during retirement with the proceeds from the sale of your home? And that's why I say it could be leverage. You can move people in there with you. If you decide to retire or you need a caregiver or you have a family member, you can move them in. That might incentivize them like, oh, I got a place to stay now and I barely get charged anything. I'll move in. I'll take help take care of you. And I don't want to, you know, play, you know, quid pro quid when it comes with family members and those helping you during retirement. But it's definitely leverage you may have to utilize. And it makes things more comfortable if you have to have people move in and take care of you when you have space available. You know, and like I said, if you sell the home, that's you might sell a home and you have paid the mortgage. You might come out with a profit of half a million dollars. Right. What you going to do with the half a million? You're going to buy another house? Probably not. You might move, move into an apartment and you throw that into investments or throw that into annuity. Who knows? But now you have that money to help you survive during retirement. So that's why home ownership is big. It can really impact us later on in life when we need it most. But if it's not working for us, guys, you might have to get rid of that home or you're going to find yourself in a bind. You don't want to have your cake and eat it, too, because you can't do it. <laughs> you know, so if you can't, if you if you're not nearing paying off that home, you have no one to pass it on to or no one to help pay it off. You might have to sell that home. And those that sold the home during the pandemic, a lot of them walked out with a lot of cash because prices were going through the roof while inventory was low. All right. So just that's something to think about, guys. That's what could be that could be a financial resource or financial restraint. So keep that in mind. And then finally, last but not least, family subsidies, all right? Now, we mentioned family early in terms of them physically being there for you, but will your family, not including a significant other, be the ones who primarily take care of you, not just physically, but financially? And if so, who are the family members you are referring to? Your own family, such as your children, or your family you were raised with, such as your siblings? This is something that you must consider as a possibility at a certain age. You know, who would you trust to take care of you at this stage of your life in retirement? All right. Some of you may have already considered these things because you are currently providing these services to a grandparent or aged parent whose health is not up to par. But we must think about the cost and time associated with that. For example, what would it cost that person or persons to take on the responsibilities for caring for an aging relative, such as ourselves when we're in that retirement stage? And what impact could these responsibilities have on a relationship between a caregiver, who is that family member, and the one who needs that care, which is us. So you can receive family subsidies financially, but like, one, you might not have the availability when it comes to family. Like, that might not be an option for you. They may all be deceased, or they may all not live near you, or they just might not want to do it. Simple as that. They have their own troubles. But if you do that, what kind of relationship is that forming? 
Consider that, guys. Consider that heavily and think about these financial resources and know that, like I said, you can't be alone physically and you can't be alone financially. You need things that's on your side. And the more resources, honestly, the better. So, guys, consider all the points that I made earlier when it came to the resources you need for retirement and, and why you do not retire, get to retire alone. You need that human element. And you need that financial element. Okay. Don't ever disregard that or underestimate that, in my opinion. Because the point I want to make with this episode is that this generation has been pushed towards independence so much that it may be to our dismay. We need resources in this world so we can live and retire in peace. These resources, both financial and human, especially human since we are all social creatures to some degree, need that reassurance of a safety net. So my message is to start thinking long term. So that when you make short-term decisions, you aren't faced with a crisis when you want to or are forced to retire at age 65 or earlier and wondering, how am I going to live for the next 20 to 40 years and who will be there for me? You know, it's investing in your later mental, physical and emotional well-being when you're looking at your retirement now and thinking about the future, guys. I want you all to thrive even in retirement, but I want you to have people there for you and you be there for them because even if we do not have money, at least we have had, we have some love around us in those times of need. You do not retire alone and that is, and that will and should be a blessing. That being said, as usual, stay focused, review the notes. And please continue to stay strong in America.